Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is Football Social Daily, keeping you up to date with the latest from the English top flight. Happy New Year, this is Football Social Daily, kicking off the new year in the only way we know how with another daily podcast with all the latest from the Premier League, as we will continue to do right the way through the dystopian future that is the year 2021. I'm Jim Salverson and with me on the podcast today, it's Marley Anderson. Happy New Year, Marley. Hello, Happy New Year. Hopefully uh, we're all looking forward to having a brilliant New Year because I definitely am. Positivity for 2021. Matt Pidd is with me as well. Happy New Year, Matt. Happy New Year, boys. All the best, eh? We have to make a call at some point. As It's like when you start saying Happy Christmas, when do you stop saying Happy New Year? At what point does it become no longer a thing? Probably after this week, I'd say. Yeah, okay. Yeah. End of the week, then we can draw a line under it. Anyway, it is the new year and the transfer window is open. It has been open for three days now and the rumours about Jaden Sancho and his future have already kicked in, of course. We're going to be leaving that story to one side for the time being, but we will be unearthing some of the other rumours and speculation about who is going where later on today's podcast. Plus, football again is finding itself at the very centre of a Covid storm as a whole host of Premier League stars once again fail to grasp what not seeing anyone outside of your household actually means. Does it mean having a New Year's Eve party? It does not. Does it mean you can invite over a private chef and cook some meals for your mates? It does not. But apparently some Premier League footballers think that's okay. Does football need to take a harder stance on the Corona rule breakers? We'll get onto that shortly as well. But first, After a few tasty results at the weekend, there are a host of managers who find themselves under the spotlight and under pressure. Chris Wilder, Graham Potter, maybe even Sam Allardyce already, and especially Frank Lampard will all be glancing over their shoulders this week. But who should be under pressure and which clubs could do better if maybe they looked elsewhere? Let's start with Frank Lampard on this one because... They played against your lot last night, Matt, against Manchester City. Really poor display from Chelsea. And I've defended Lampard up to this point. And I've said it's a case of that team that he's got 
gelling and the new signings he's brought in, learning to adapt to the Premier League. But I've got to say, yesterday against Manchester City, Lampard just looked short of ideas and maybe lacking in a bit of a game plan as well. And I do start to wonder whether he has a future at Chelsea. What was your take on the opposition last night as you saw your Manchester City team playing Chelsea? Well, there was a stat that I have saw that says that um, since Abramovich took over Chelsea, he's got the lowest points per game record, obviously, and that's not that's not great. And Chelsea aren't well known for keeping on to managers for too long, especially if as in not... Frank Lampard has the lowest yeah. points. Yeah, per yeah, game yeah, record. yeah. He has the lowest points per game record since Abramovich took over at Chelsea. It's like you just said there, Jim, in the build up to what we're to what we're talking about. He's got a new team there, young players. Some of them um, got a little bit of experience as well, but they're new to the Premier League. And sometimes they need a little bit of time to gel in. It's only his second season in charge. He's still young. He's still got a lot of learning to do. Chelsea was always going to be a massive job for him, especially coming from Derby County in the Championship where there wasn't a lot of pressure on him. He didn't really have a lot to lose there. He only had a lot to gain. Um, City, last night, for 20 minutes, that's the best I've seen us play all season. We was we was hungry. We looked like we 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 wanted to attack Chelsea. We wanted to to be ruthless. Um, that partly has to go down to what Pep Guardiola set his team out to do. We, I've never been a fan of Gundogan and Roger playing in the same midfield, but it looked like last night that Rodri was told to sit back and Gundogan had license to roam forward with uh, with Phil Foden. Gary Neville was saying, "Why is Phil Foden playing on the left?" Well. There you go, Gary. That's exactly why he's playing on the left. He can, he can play. He can play anywhere in the midfield. Phil Foden. I don't care what anyone says. He's a threat anywhere across that line. Um, playing De Bruyne as um, a centre forward. They were saying he was he was a false nine. He was more of a centre forward yesterday. He didn't really drift too much out of that central area. We just made it very very difficult for Chelsea, especially after the, the twenty minutes had elapsed. There, De Bruyne had a chance, and then we should have been one 0 up after that. And then after that, we just put him to the sword straight away. Mm. Two goals in the space of three minutes. Chelsea's heads are going to drop straight away there. They're already lacking confidence after getting beaten by Arsenal. It was always going to be an uphill task for them. Could have been four or five at half-time. They're probably looking to get away with only losing 3-1. Um, they've, they've got a lot of work to do, Chelsea. Let's not forget, the, the, um, about a month ago, they were top of the league and people were talking about them being title contenders. Now, a month later, there's a talk of Lampard possibly losing his job. A month's a long time in football, and who knows in a month's time they might build up a little bit of farm and we're back to talking about, you know, beans out of contenders again. So it's all based on results. It all depends on how his next results go. If it was me personally, I'd give him to the end of the season and see where they end up. If they end up mm-hmm. in a Champions League places, maybe give him a little bit more time. But if they don't, obviously, then uh, Abramovich has got a decision to make. I mean, Manchester City have the capability to make any team on earth look ordinary at times. So Mm. it's not fair to judge Lampard on just this single result, Marley. But have you seen enough from Frank so far to suggest that he is the man to make Chelsea into this title-challenging team again? Because ultimately, that's what Abramovich wants. That's what Chelsea expect. They expect trophies. And if Lampard can't deliver that, then they will look elsewhere. Yeah, they're um, historically not a very patient club when it comes to uh, to managers. They've had, you know, more than their fair share over the years, and if one isn't successful, then they'll find someone that is. I think um, with Thomas Tuchel losing his job as well, I think there's there's almost like a an obvious candidate to come in if they did sack um, sack Lampard. But I think I'm, I think I, I agree with Matt. I don't think he should be uh, bombed out just yet because. It's, I mean, he's only been in the job of, you know, 
a few months into getting all this money, he's still got to make teams, uh, make a team gel. I, th- I still don't think he um, he knows his best eleven, uh, which is obviously a problem. But also, you are waiting on players gelling and playing in certain ways that you expected them. I think Werner's been his finishing's been poor since he arrived. Um, that'll get better. It's just. It, it kind of needs to wait until that gets better to know where his best position is kind of thing. So he's sort of been moved to the left a little bit to accommodate somebody who is hitting the target every now and again, which is Giroud or, or Abraham. And then it just surprised me yesterday that he popped up without playing any of them um, and and using Werner as a, as a sort of centre-forward and a bit more. And it, it, just, it just didn't work last night. And I was surprised that it was 3-0 at half-time, but also... Not surprised because, as you said before, Man City can do that to anyone. But mm. I think, especially this season, you can't read too much into one result. And I know Chelsea's form, form has been a bit a bit poor for the last few weeks, but they're still they're not out of the title race because it's so wide open that you know they could easily finish second. They could easily win it if um, if other teams carry on beating each other and that kind of thing. So I think still think there's a long way to go. Um, Normally after 15, 16 games, if your team was, I think they're eighth, you'd probably be saying, well, they've got no chance of winning the league. But this year, everyone's you know all over each other, like mm. just trying to herd cats. The Premier League at the minute, the top half so congested, it's crazy. But um, I still, I think he's done enough in like last season and in his Chelsea career as a player to be afforded that um, that extra season of let's just see where this one goes and. You know, it's not the end of the world if they're uh, if they don't, you know, win the title if they finish top four or win an FA Cup or something like that. I still think that's a good enough season for Chelsea. Do you think Lampard maybe made all the whether it was Lampard or not, whether it is cool, whether there was a slight mistake in the amount of players, first team players that were bought in during the summer? Because you look at the amount of change. I mean, his first season at Chelsea, you'd have to say, was a success with the team he had. He did really well. But then you look at who he brought in in the summer and Mendy came in, Thiago, uh, Chilwell, Havertz, um, uh, Werner. Who else came in? Uh, Ziyech as well. Thiago so, Silva. Thiago Silva. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, there, there's a load of new players coming in there, which is going to cause disruption to a team that was playing well. Do you think retrospectively, and hindsight's a brilliant thing, he maybe didn't need to make those wholesale changes at that point and would have been better maybe bringing in one or two or three new players to play alongside the people who have performed so well from him the season previous. Um, I think, to be fair, I think the there wasn't a signing who came in you thought they don't need him. Like, he wanted to give Kepa the chance, I think, um, but he was so poor that he had to bring in Mendy. Um, he wanted uh, a striker that he could he could rely on. That's probably the only one where you would say, I don't think they they might not need uh, Werner because they've got Abraham, for example. But clearly he felt like there was something else he needed and Timo Werner was one of the best um, strikers, most prolific strikers in Europe and there was a chance of him going to Liverpool. So it kind of became a, a double win to get him and to uh, to stop Liverpool getting him as well because they could have you know integrated him a little bit better maybe and, and have him on sitting on 12 or 13 goals already this season. So it was it made sense to sign him. Havertz is the one for me where where they, on paper they look like they needed a number 10, but they don't seem to be playing to his strengths. I've seen him play out on the left and the right a little bit too much and not really getting his 
number 10 position in the Chelsea team. They tend to be playing with three up front and, and no traditional sort of attacking midfielder, Chelsea. But mm. it's it's one of them. He's still a good player. He's still young. But again, it's 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 the it's the price tag and, and everything like that. He's always going to catch up on him. And there's no country that we know is that's more critical of a big money young new signing in terms of tearing them down before they've even, you know, settled in and that kind of thing than than the Premier League. So <laughs> it's um it's one of them I just I don't think you can disagree with the signing. It's just not quite how things have, have worked out. I think maybe he's he's signed a little bit too many because of getting them all in a certain system. Um, mm. but it, that's a, that's a challenge for a manager. You've got to you've got to go and do that. Everyone he signed, Mendy straight in the team, no bother. Chilwell, Thiago Silva, all the same. Um, Ziyech when he's when he's fit, he struggled a little bit, but yeah, he's straight in the team. So there's there's a few players there where you'd say, well, I, I can understand why they signed him. You're just waiting for them to to fully click, really. There's a few other managers that you might class as being under pressure at the moment. Uh, the Christmas period and the heavy fixture congestion seems to have been a bit of a turning point for some. One manager that maybe isn't under pressure that perhaps should be. And I bring this up because Niall, who is obviously on the podcast regularly, unearthed a good stat that Graham Potter at Brighton has only won 13 games in his 18 months in charge at Brighton. I also don't think he's won a single home game in a calendar year now for Brighton, but yet he doesn't seem to be under any real pressure on the South Coast. Why is that, Matt? Should Brighton be asking more questions of him as to why he's not deliver I mean we know he's delivering this great style of football and we've talked about that again and again and again but then it's the question of is football an entertainment's business or is it a results business in truth it's probably both both but he's delivering the entertainment but maybe not delivering the results at the moment should Brighton be asking more well it all depends on Brighton's ambitions as a club obviously they're not like a Chelsea like we've just been talking about where Lampard's under pressure because of how much money is spent on his has obviously got pressure to win trophies and win, to win titles and challenge for titles. Are Brighton just happy consolidating with Premier League survival? Are they happy with having um, a stylish you know, way of playing? And obviously, they've gone from being under Chris Hutton where it was a lot more pragmatic. Are they just willing to give him that time? You know, he's they're been risking there for, the Premier League survival side are, of things, aren't yeah, they? they are risking, That's the problem. Right now, they are, yeah. So, it's going to all depend on what happens you know, towards the end of the season, are they going to push that panic button? Are they going to try and get rid of him to maybe bring someone in that's going to keep them up? It, that will remain to be seen. They've got a decent squad there, Brighton. They've got some good young talent as well. And like you said, he's got a good way of playing, you know, Graham Potter. And he's one of these man managers that likes to put his arms around the player. Maybe he's popular with the players in the dressing room and he's popular with the, uh, the boardroom as well. It's going to all depend on how, I mean, they've only won two games this season and conceded 28, you know, and that's, yeah, that speaks for itself, really. And the, the league league table doesn't lie when it comes to things like this, especially after Christmas. It's all just going to depend on how things are going towards more the back end of the season. Mm-hmm. If they're still in that um, that dogfight, I mean, we already know basically that Sheffield United are down. Chris Wilder has done an absolutely fantastic job over at Sheffield United. Is he going to get the sack? I don't think he should because they should already know now they're going to go down. What's it going to change now, sacking him? You know, mm. he's already got them out of League One and the Championship back to the Premier League. So they might as well stick with him now and let him just do his job and try and get them back up. Whether they're going to do the same with Graham Potter, that will remain to be seen. But I think it's it's quite refreshing, really, to not see 
a manager just under pressure just because of where he is in the league yeah. table. That that's probably rare nowadays. Brighton come across as a club that aren't really um, that ambitious at the moment. Maybe because they're only recently a Premier League club. They've not been a Premier League for that 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 uh, Premier League club for that long. When you think about it, so maybe they've just got a, um, a grander plan at scale. We'll see. It's interesting that different managers seem to have different treatments in the press. And you look at Solskjaer and Lampard, for example. We were talking about Lampard earlier and maybe questioning his tactical now. So he's certainly not had the same level of questioning that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had when they both went into big jobs with similar experiences. And you look at Graham Potter and maybe compare him to Marcelo Bielsa at Leeds and people are questioning Bielsa's tactics, saying, why doesn't he adapt his game when he plays different opposition? Why does he have to go for this gun-ho attitude in every single match that sometimes costs them points? People aren't asking the same questions to Graham Potter, Marley. They're not suggesting he should shut up shop when he faces certain opposition, are they? No, um, I think that's why... Um, one of the reasons why people don't really criticise Potter is because Brighton have an identity. Brighton, Brighton have a way of playing um, that people like. And it's this, this sort of possession base, keep it on the floor, try and build attacks, um, you know, patiently and keep keep the possession and, and dominate the football that, um, that people like. And then when you look at who they've got as well, they've got a few players who you think, um, you know, who are, who are highly rated. You look at Dunk, White... Um, Lamptey, these players, you know, they've got good reputations. Um, and uh, Matt said there they've conceded twenty eight goals, and you know, statistically, their defense has been a problem. Mm. But their best rated players from from like in general terms are their defenders. Webster's having a, you know, people's talking about Webster as like a as a good you know good player for that kind of team kind of thing. And then Lamptey's been linked with all sorts of moves because of his. His age and his, his the way he's took on that wing back role um, at Brighton, but I think the, the I think the reason, to be honest, and this is going to probably sound harsh, but I think the reason why people don't really um, talk about Potter is you know why he's not good enough kind of thing is I think the general public just don't really care about Brighton. No. They're not they're not a massive draw. You you forget about Brighton a lot because. They don't have a massive fan base, I don't think. They don't have players who you who you look at and go, "Oh, he's amazing. He should be." You you know, players you tune in to watch Brighton for. Yeah. Um, I know Lamptey's a good player and everything, but like, still, you know, he's a, he's a right wing back for God's sake. So you're not going to tune in to see a right wing back dominate a game because you just can't do that as much. So, like, with respect to Brighton, they're just not that big a club, and I think they're easily forgotten about. And I think that's playing into the fact that. You know, not many people are talking about Potter as you know this this isn't good enough for Brighton because no one expects them to expects them to not finish fifteenth where they are for the for the next the last two seasons. Sorry, they're gonna be better than at least three, possibly four or five um, other Premier League teams. So that's that's probably it's just a lack of expectations uh, when you compare them to Bielsa, who's done such a uh, a job at getting leads up and that have, have that brave style of play that everyone likes to talk about. You look at Lampard, who's got big ex- expectations, and you know Potter just doesn't compare to those. 
Who is under the most pressure then? Out of the managers that we've talked about, Bruce. maybe some others we can throw into. I was going to say Steve <laughs> got Steve Bruce. I don't think I don't know if he is under pressure because I don't think Mike Ashley will pay him off. Only from Marley. Bloody yeah, should exactly. be from the fans. Yeah, maybe, but maybe not from the manager. Nuno Espirito Sancho feels kind of a little bit untouchable at Wolves because of what he's achieved before, but they're not doing well at the moment. Chris Wilder, we've talked about potentially. I mean. The general consensus is that Sheffield United should stick with him and maybe look to rebuild from the championships yeah. next season. So so who is under pressure as a manager? Are we going to see any changes soon, Matt? I don't think we will do. I think this season's a weird one as well, like for the way the league is. And like you said, anyone's beaten anyone this season. I think I've never seen a Premier League table where there's nine points separating 10th from first. And, you know, it's quite congested yeah. at the bottom as well. So... I don't. I just don't think this season's gonna have like a, a major say on um, who comes and who goes. I mean, we've seen it with West Brom, okay, with Billich and with Allardyce coming in. But I mean, look at Allardyce right now. There's talk about him going. So maybe other clubs are looking at that now, going, "No, he'll I don't quit. think that that he'll is just the walk answer." Away. When That's it looks it. like when it looks like West Brom are going down, he'll quit to keep his "I've never been relegated" <laughs> yeah. record. Just go missing. What? Pull the old Mark Hughes trick. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I don't think this season's going to be um, one of these seasons where the, these kind of things happen. I think it's just going to. It's going to be a strange one. I think clubs are going to probably keep the cards close to the chest in respect to that and just see how it plays out. We'll have to wait and see, as you say. I think there will be a managerial sacking at some point over the next four weeks or so. I've just got absolutely no idea who it's going to be. Uh, right, we're going to talk about players' behaviour next because there have been some COVID regulation breaches over the last two weeks or so, over Christmas and New Year, and some differing views on how those breaches should be dealt with. We'll talk about that next on Football Social Daily. Listen to the latest Premier League news, updates and match reports now. Just ask Open Sport Social. Football Social Daily is part of the Sport Social Network. Sport-social.co.uk Welcome back to Football Social Daily. And as much of the conversation has been over Christmas and New Year for most people, it's now going to turn to the issue of COVID and COVID restrictions because players from a fair few Premier League clubs have completely ignored those restrictions over Christmas and New Year. We're talking about players at Tottenham. Fulham, Crystal Palace, West Ham, Manchester City as well. But is football doing enough to tackle the rule breakers? It's an interesting one, this, because we've talked before about players maybe being held up as role models when perhaps that's a little bit unfair, putting that level of pressure on them. But at the same time, it is everyone's responsibility, everyone's duty to follow the guidelines and the restrictions that have been set out. Let's start with Manchester City here because the win over Chelsea that we talked about earlier yesterday was slightly overshadowed by Benjamin Mendy's breach of COVID rules over New Year's Eve. That came out just before kickoff. Were you surprised, Matt, to then see Mendy included in the match day squad? Well, yeah, I think he should have been completely omitted from the squad, made an example of. We know what Benjamin Mendy's like with his um, social media antics and stuff like that. He's not the the most seriously taken player at the club. Um, it's it's one of these things where like you, you just you ask yourself like why 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 would you do that? You know exactly what's going on in the world. Why on earth would you you put yourself in that position to to be there to to do something like that? 
he's saying like, oh, he's had his private chef round and he's had family members round. But the rules are you can't have anyone that's outside your household in your house. So why why on earth has he done mm. it? Especially when it's been a massive outbreak at the club. You know, I, I think it's five first-team players that have had it and some staff members. So with the way things are right now, you think that you just have the common sense just to, you know, like just, you know, just do what everyone else is trying to do, you know, <laughs> follow the rules. It's, he wasn't the only one player that did it, like you said, but no, he's he's one of these players that is probably on his last, you know, his last legs at City at the moment. He's he's he's, he's been a massive, he's had, he's had a massive price tag on his head when he's came in. He's not performed. He's had his fair share of injuries, but he's just really not helped himself with his with his antics off the pitch. It's interesting, Matt, because the way Benjamin Mendy has been treated for this by the fans is the kind of attitude is get rid of him. He's not done enough at the club. Kick him, kick him out, punish him, whatever it is. It feels like the approach that would be taken for him, for many fans, is very different to, say, if it were a first-team regular like yeah. Sergio Aguero and Raheem Sterling. Yet, mm-hmm. yet, it's a very different thing. The performance on the pitch shouldn't really affect how you treat someone after no. breaching a rule like a like, like the COVID restrictions, for example. No, not at all. If it was Sergio Aguero, I'd be the same as saying, you're a stupid idiot, basically. Why, why are you doing that? doesn't matter who you are or how much money you're on at the club or how big your status is at the club. You shouldn't be doing something like that, especially when we're going through the times that we are right now. It's just it's common sense. Just follow the rules. A lot of people do hang him out to dry on Twitter. He hasn't made it easy for himself, though. A lot of players, you know, keep themselves out of the limelight. Um, Kyle Walker's another one that's messed up and stuff like that and he's had a few parties around his house mm. apparently so um but this is the thing with Mendy he's he's been at the club now since um, 2017 and he's he's really really just not helped himself with some of the things that he's done and the way that he's acted on social media um and I think people are just starting to lose patience with him for me personally it wouldn't matter if it was Kevin De Bruyne or Sergio Aguero or anyone else it'd be the same sort of reaction from me just basically saying you're an idiot for doing what you've done and he should be fined and he should be punished and he should be dropped from the squad so this is why I was surprised about him being in the squad yesterday maybe it was because you know we're at bare bones at the moment in terms of that but you know it's it sends out the wrong message for me that should football be taking a tougher stance here Marley because we've seen it time and time again we've seen it with as Matt says Carl Walker, we saw it over Christmas with players from Tottenham, with Manuel Lenzini at West Ham, some Fulham players, Crystal Palace players. It seems to be happening time and time again, and there is no real punishment. But at the same time, we see people in life and society doing this time and time again with no real punishment. I ordered a pizza on New Year's Day, and the pizza delivery guy commented on how many people he delivered to who were clearly having big parties and just getting away with it. So if the public can get away with it, should footballers be allowed to get away with it, or should there be a tougher stance or, or higher expectations, maybe even on them? <sighs> Bloody hell! It's like uh, big question, uh, isn't it? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's good question, question time. <laughs> One I do not know the answer to, basically, because <laughs> everyone's, you know, it's on it's on you as a person to to um, you know to do the right thing um, and to not break the rules, whether you agree with them or yeah, not. Yeah, social responsibility, are. isn't it? Yeah, um, and it should come from, you know, when you're a player in the public eye, when you're famous, when you're a footballer, you know, you are... I don't want to be one of these guys who says, oh, you know, look how much money they get paid, blah, blah, blah. But 
you know, it it comes back to 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 that kind of thing. And I know the sort of humans and and you need social interaction and what have you. But you know, bringing a chef into your house or a group of friends is just it's irresponsible because we've seen how how quickly this this virus can spread and things like that. And you know, it's it's ridiculous. I think like I've got a couple of friends who one of them went to hospital over the Christmas period um, for a, for a different issue and got um, caught COVID, has come back home and within 12 hours, uh, her boyfriend's got it and she's got two new, uh, she's got a four-year-old and a newborn baby. So that's mm. how quickly this thing can spread. And like, if you if one of the people at this gathering has, has it, then you've infected so many other people, like instantly, basically. So, you know, footballers have never had the, the realist grasp on things. Um, it's the other way around as well, isn't it? Because footballers are mixing with much wider groups than most people because they're yeah. mixing with the rest of the first team squad. So if they then go on to infect people they've got around their house, that then can spread a potential infection in the club. And we know Manchester City have had that infection in their club with the wider community. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, it's it's like I was saying that, you know, young fit athletes and especially the the single ones they're not going to pass up the chance to uh to happen to not have a party on on christmas uh over the christmas period and, and new years and you know it's it's stupid because it's the it's the thing that they're so used to and and but i think that you know the greater good has to sort of prevail here and say mm-hmm. you, know, you know we're not going to have a party because it's stupid basically but because they get tested all the time they're probably less sensitive to to mm. things they're not they're not normal people who have to go for a test uh, off their own back like if i thought i had it i'd have to go to a, a car park in in manchester to go and uh, stick a swab up my nose whereas these guys get tested daily anyway so it's kind of that probably plays into it the the fact that they're gonna say well well i'm gonna get tested on tuesday anyway so i'll have a party on sunday night so it's it's just silly that they, that they do it but you know there's it was always gonna happen like i'm not at all surprised no. Um, by players doing it. I'm not even surprised that some of the players who have done it have done it as well because you look at Mendy. I mean, I would, I'd bet my house on Mendy having a party um, for New Year's. Um, I really would. Um, and lo and behold, it comes out and then, you know, he's, he's in trouble again. It looks like his City career is done. Um, or it should be anyway because of his his track record in these kind of things. But it's just, it's just one of them. Like You've got to do what the what the right thing is and it's pretty obvious what the right thing to do is whether you like it or not you should know that it's a bit silly to have a pie it's common sense isn't it yeah who takes responsibility then matt because we've heard the same message again and again from each premier league club internal investigations we'll deal with this internally and with the best win in the world premier league clubs aren't going to ban their own players they're not going to shoot themselves in the foot like that they might slap a fine on a player but at the end of the day premier league players don't really care about a fine one week two weeks wages it really makes no difference when you've got all the money you can eat so does someone else need to take a stance here? Is it up to the Premier League to go, right, well, if you're going to breach COVID regulations, you're banned. You're banned for two yeah. weeks. You're banned for three weeks. Absolutely, because that's the league they're playing in. So they need to step in and they need to start clamping down on this kind of thing because otherwise it's just going to go you know, unpunished, isn't it? People are just going to go, oh, well, like you said, <laughs> it's only a couple of weeks wages, fine, who cares? You know what I mean? And this is the attitude that they're going to have. Premier League needs to step in and go, right, okay, if that's the attitude you want to have, how about you're banned for five games? You know what I mean? How about that? You know, so these are the things that need to start being looked at. 
things aren't going to get any better anytime soon, I don't think. So these are the things that the, the Premier League and the clubs need to meet up now and basically say, like, look, if any of your players get caught breaching these rules, this is what's going to happen. And, you know, that's it. It's, it's not it's not a grey area. It should be just black or white. It's, either it is or it isn't. We'll find out in the coming days how Manchester City and the other clubs are going to deal with their players who have breached regulations. Maybe they'll bring in replacements because the transfer window is open and we're going to talk about some of the potential deals in the offing next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Football Social Daily from Sport Social. Find us on Twitter at The Sports Social. Hello again. Right, transfer gossip. It's everyone's favourite time of year, the January transfer window, which has come early this year, kind of 10 games ahead of where it would normally be, which gives a few managers a bit more opportunity to maybe roll the dice in terms of their personnel. Then are no deals done as yet on day four, the beginning of day four of the transfer window, but there's plenty of rumours doing the rounds. And as always, when it comes to the transfer window, Harry Kane is being linked with a move away. Interesting one, this, because Spurs apparently are attempting to hang on to Harry Kane. He's currently halfway through a deal he signed two years ago, a six-year deal, so he's still got four years left, but Tottenham want to nail him down to a new contract, a contract extension, in an attempt to ward off interest from PSG and Manchester City. They're the two teams being linked with it. I mean, it wouldn't be a transfer window if we weren't talking about Harry Kane moving somewhere. It feels a little bit like talking about Jadon Sancho moving somewhere. So I don't necessarily want to talk about Harry Kane going to Manchester City or PSG because at the end of the day, he's one of the best players in the world. He's going to be linked with the best clubs in the world. But I'm more interested in see how Mauricio Pochettino is going to approach this transfer window because he's the new man at PSG. Do you think he's going to go into Spurs and maybe pick off a few of those players? Maybe the likes of Deli Ali, Matt. Can you see him raiding Tottenham's players? Well, yeah. If um, Deli Ali, you know, we've we've seen on the um, Spurs documentary, he wasn't particularly liked by Mourinho most of the time. You know, he had uh, problems with his attitude in training, and we we know he has got the quality. Deli Ali, we know that he's a good player, but it's, it all depends on me, like whether he wants it badly enough or not. He's one of these players that's been overhyped, I think, from such a young age, and he's had a lot of pressure put on his shoulders, and then all of a sudden he's dropped off, and then people think that that's it for him. I think if he does go to PSG with Pochettino there, you know, it can it can revive his career. Um, we we know that PSG, you know, they're a they're a Champions League club year in year out. They're gonna they're gonna win the league most times. Um, maybe he needs that stage now and the players around him like Neymar and stuff like that to uh, to flourish again. Maybe it might be a loan deal with an option to buy depending on performances, who knows? But it's uh, it's definitely an interesting one and one that would make sense to me. We know that Pochettino had a good relationship with a lot of his players, Marley. Do you think there's any other names he'll be eyeing up? Because Jose Mourinho is one of those... Well, we've said it before, he's a Marmite character, not just to fans, but also to players. There'll be a fair few individuals in that team that maybe don't have a positive relationship with Jose. And a nice little move to France to meet up with their old boss might might seem quite favourable. Uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, there'll be a lot of players thinking, oh, I wonder if wonder if he'll be interested in me kind of thing. But to be honest, I think more Pochettino won't want to go and annoy Spurs by taking the players. I think he'll he'll have a bit of 
respect for them and the ones that aren't obviously you know uh on the verge of leaving i think he'll mm. leave them alone so ali's a ali's a, a special case because he's um completely out of favor at spurs and never gets a game and he was you know one of the best midfielders in the country under pochettino especially when he first signed from mk dons so um, I think that one makes sense, but in terms of going in cherry picking the rest of the squad, I don't think we can see too much. Um, I think I don't think we're going to see too much crossover, especially with the Harry Kane thing. I don't think he would um, he would leave for Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, Kane seems to me like somebody who wants the challenge of um, of winning the Premier League and possibly breaking Alan Shearer's goal record. So I, I would expect him to stay in England. And if he didn't stay in England, I would expect him to go to Spain or, or a, a more competitive league. I think PSG, as Matt said, they'll, they'll walk the league nine times out of 10. Um, and when, you know, it's all about winning the Champions League for them, which is essentially a, a roll of the dice every year. So, yeah. Um, yeah, not for me. I think, I think Pochettino will leave most of them alone, to be honest. And, and, I think he'd, he'd, he'd even have uh, eyes on going back to, to Spurs at some point later in his career because he, he talked so much about how he loves the club and everything. He wants to, you know, see them do well and everything. I think, you know, after his PSG spell, if things aren't going well at Spurs for whoever's in charge at that point, then you could see him uh, return. In terms of Tottenham incomings, and maybe an incoming from Manchester United as well, Paolo Dybala is being linked with a potential move to the Premier League. Juventus saying if he doesn't sign a contract extension, they're basically going to sell him. Maybe this window, if not in the summer. Can you see him fitting into a Premier League team, Marley? It doesn't feel like Tottenham or Manchester United he'd fit either of those particularly. particularly if, I mean, why would he go to either of those teams when he's not going to get a regular starting berth every week. But could you see him playing in the Premier League? Uh, well, I'll tell you what, you know how, you know, the, the whole of 2020 was a blur because of the the way things were with the lockdowns and everything like that. But if you forgot what month it was or what day it was, you could definitely set your watch by the uh, the Dybala to the Premier League rumours coming back <laughs> out because you know it's January. You know that uh, the transfer window is open, but it always it, this whole thing seems like something that would just never happen to me like he, he he was close to going to man united i think um was it a year ago yeah uh, 18 months ago maybe and he he never did he just went well i don't want to go there and that was that and that was the first time he got through the paper talk to mm-hmm. the player and he was like i don't want to go so it was just nipped in the bud straight away but it hasn't stopped the the columns being filled with all oh, this great player could come to the Premier League, and yeah, of course he could, he could, he could come to the Premier League, and he would do well. He would fit into a team if they is he that good? used him right. I think he is, yeah. But yeah, I'd say so. I, I just don't think he wants to come to England. I well, we want, sorry, Marley, want to go to Spain. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a funny story here when um, we had we was under Pellegrini. I think it was the 15-16 season, and he was at Palermo, and he was like one of these young players, like bursting onto the scene, like Michael Richards. <laughs> um, we had the chance to sign him, and Pellegrini signed Wilfred Bonny instead. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so every oh, time well. I, I hear a, a, a rumor about Paolo Dybala, I get an instant flashback to that moment, and it still hurts to this day. <laughs> But yeah, Dybala, he's, um, he's, he's, one of them, he's one of them players that I've always wanted to see in the Premier League, but hopefully not at Man United. 
Well, speaking of Manchester United, there could be some outgoings there as well. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer says he's holding talks with several fringe players. Or well, he doesn't say this. The Sun says this, I should say. And we always know how to treat transfer rumours that appear in the Sun. Uh, six potential players departure, departing on permanent deals or loans. Who are those six players, do you reckon, Matt? Who do you reckon could be on the way out of Manchester United? Daniel James seems like a potential who could go out on loan, potentially. But the other five are maybe slightly more questionable. Uh, Phil Jones. Yeah. <laughs> Lingard. Um, Romero. Uh, yeah, Romero, there you go. Um, I, I, I tend to... Um, I don't know about Pogba. Like, is Pogba going to leave? Is he going to get sold? He's obviously not going to go on loan. Are gonna, what are they going to get for him, though? It's one of them with United. They've, they've just they've got all this deadwood. I, I often forget that players that still play for them. They've mm. got all these players that I just I, ca- I can't remember ever being there, but they're still there. It's mad. Um, but Phil, Phil Jones, I don't know what he does at Man United. I thought he works in the kitchens now at Man United or something <laughs> like that. He's been there that long and hasn't I played. He was still there, yeah, yeah, that's it. And there was a, a funny thing about because he's been there now since um, 2011. And it's coming up to obviously his testimonial, yeah. And he, he was saying about doing him a testimonial, and he said, "No, don't bother because only my mum would turn up to watch it." <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, there's, there's 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 a fair few players at Man United that that need, that need to go because they need to rebuild a squad. They're looking all right in the league at the moment, you know, being giant top and all that, and they're getting very very excited about that. Um, Solskjaer seems to be getting the best out of the players that he's got at the moment. And obviously they've got to they've got to get rid to to bring people in. So yeah, some of the deadwood that they've got, like um, you just said, like Romero there, he's he's had issues with um, with the club and his his misses having to go at the club and stuff like that. And obviously you've got Phil Jones, Lingard, and I think there's a couple of defenders there as well um, that need there's to leave. Some decent players there, Marley. When Matt rattles off the likes of Romero, who we know fancies a move away from United because he wants first team football. Jesse Lingard, I'm sure there's a decent player in there for a mid table team somewhere. There's there's some talent that could do very well in the Premier League at a different club. Yeah, well, there's, there's a, they're very highly paid um, mm. talent, and you know, use that word loosely, interpret it as you want talent. Um, but you know, Lingard, a lot of people talk about Lingard. You know, when he's not good enough for Man United, he's probably is good enough for a, for a mid-table Premier League team. Someone like Aston Villa, for example, possibly in Everton, if if they fancied him or something like that, or a wow, way, way to upset Newcastle the Everton fans calling him mid-table. <laughs> <laughs> Historically mid-table, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, he's on that. It's hundred not grand a week, and he hasn't played for practically a year, so it becomes a big gamble. And I think that's why Phil Jones hasn't left um, as well, because you know a team has to take a gamble on him. And I think he's been linked with Burnley and um, a potential loan move to Burnley for, for six months and see what happens there. But I think they've just been taken over. So will they? Will they want someone other than? Than Phil Jones and someone a little bit better if they can uh, if they have the money to spend and does he even get in the team head of Tarkowski and me because they're they're practically cemented in the team every week so probably not um, but yeah I mean they've got still got dead wood to um, to shift Man United but they do it's hard to get to get rid of dead wood at some at such a highly paid um, on such you know such high wages so. It's one of them where you've kind of you've, you've almost got to be resigned to losing a bit of money. So yeah, um, you've it's, you've got to take a, a couple of step backwards to to take one forwards mm. in in this situation. So we'll see what they can do, but we'll see uh, 
see if anyone can can come in and nick themselves a bargain. We'll finish off today's podcast with a Newcastle rumour because we are contractually obliged whenever Marley is in the podcast to have at least one Newcastle story. He tried to squeeze Steve Bruce into the story earlier, but we didn't let him get away with it. So you can talk about this one instead, Marley, because apparently Newcastle are waiting for a response from Leicester for Hazem Chowdhury. They put in a loan bid. Brendan Rodgers said he will assess the 23-year-old's future in the next couple of weeks. This is according to the Newcastle Chronicle. Is that a player that can make a difference at Newcastle? I mean, it doesn't feel like Ashley's going to be spending any money this window, does it? So any improvements to that playing squad is going to come from loan signings, maybe a free every now and again? Yeah, I think... um... That will be our business in in January. Uh, a couple of loans, maybe um, nothing, nothing permanent. I think we've got a lot of players out of contract in the summer, so the last thing you want is to to try and um, sort of predict what's going to happen in the summer by signing players in January. Um, so I think this summer could be uh, a bigger window for for permanent movement, if uh, if any. Um, but yeah, I mean, Chams of Chowdhury is. He's a decent player. He's a good, competitive sort of defensive midfielder. But our issue is is creativity and well, the manager and creativity. But <laughs> we've got we've got Hayden in mid in defensive midfield who plays the exact same role as Chowdhury, and he's on his day he's very very good. Um, he's he's a good player. We've got the Longstaff brothers who played um, in uh, in the game against Leicester and. Yeah, you know, Matty Matty's okay. He's been he's been pretty good in the last couple of games since coming in, but Sean struggled a bit and I think that's down to that's down to the system. I think playing a flat two in midfield is is silly, but um in terms of Chowdhury, he's he's a good player, but it's just not not what we need. We we, we need someone who can pass the ball forwards because Shelby at the minute just doesn't look interested. He doesn't look Half the player you you expect him to be since he signed a new contract, he just seemed to have just dawdled around the pitch, and you know he's he's seen it for the second goal against Leicester at the weekend. He, he put in a, uh, a wet lettuce of a tackle, like tried to in midfield, just got passed round, like t- sort of dribbled round easy, didn't put a, a foot in and stop the 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 um, I think it was Tielemans who put it round him or something, but you know. We've got issues. It's just not a defensive midfielder for me. It's somebody who can sit alongside a defensive midfielder and pass the ball forward. And is that what you feel like you need for Newcastle? You need that playmaker. Yeah, um, and Shelby at the top of his game is that guy. But even at the top of his game, he he loses his man, and he doesn't do what you need to do from a defensive midfield. From a centre midfielder, you need to be able to attack and defend, and he can't defend. So when you put him in the team, it's kind of like you know that. Teams are going to get chances off him, but you kind of hope that he can unlock a defence, and it's it's not a gamble you can take in the Premier League because half the time you will get punished for it. So I, got, um, I guess Tielemans kind of proved how you play that role at the weekend, didn't he? Yeah, he was excellent, Tielemans. I thought you know he he did really well, and I think he highlighted it on match of the day as well how he's starting to put a tackle in and and get a bit physical, um, and obviously he's got the quality as he's in with his goal and. He had. He's got the passing, the, the progressive passing. As that, that's the type of player we need. We don't need somebody like Tielemans, um, in terms of you know that good. But we need somebody who can pass forwards in midfield mm-hmm. and not just go to the wings and and then we'll pass it back to the goalkeeper and then he'll hoof it up the pitch. That tends to be what we do at the minute. So it's not it's, it's not someone 
of Tielemans's level in terms of, you know, we're not going to go out and sign someone as good as him, but we need somebody who can do the same as him and build things um, from midfield because we're not doing that at the minute. And as good as Hamza Chowdhury is, unless you play a number 10 ahead of him, which Steve Bruce t- seems to be completely against, um, you're not gonna you're not gonna create the chances that we need to to get ourselves comfortably clear of that bottom three. So yeah, it's um it's there's work to do. It's just I don't have any faith in the the club to do it at the minute. Do you worry about who would actually want to come to the club at the moment with the style of football that you're discussing? Particularly if you're talking about a creative midfield player who, if you bought in that kind of player, what are they going to be doing? Spending the time watching the ball sail over their head and maybe <laughs> <laughs> every, like, that, for actually, 90 minutes a game. Yeah, if, if you're a player, particularly a lone player who wants to then prove themselves at a club and get game time and show what they can do, then Newcastle's not the team to do that in because you don't play a style of football that suits your style. Uh, well, to, to be fair, I think if you're bringing in a lone player, they haven't played enough football in the first six months of the season, so they'll jump at the chance to play some in the second. And I think when you when you go out on loan, you very rarely find the the perfect team for you in terms of like you you're either walking into a a house fire or you're walking into somewhere where you can you can get fitness for for six months. Um, so to come to us, I don't think it's that bad that we can't attract players because I think the loan market is a weird one where you kind of go out of necessity rather than, you know, um, it being a perfect fit. So mm. I still think there's, there's, there's stuff to do there. There's, there's, there's a avenue for, for sort of success, especially with the, you know, I think we got Lazaro last year and Bentaleb from Germany. Um, well, we got Lazaro from Inter, I think, and Bentaleb from Germany and, they practically took six months to settle anyway and Bentel had got a few games and was, was okay in some and poor in others and it kind of, it's just one of them it kind of takes six months to get used to anything so it's not a good market to do things in um, and when you've got an owner that doesn't spend very much like, like we have and we've got a style of football it is probably going to make it even that little bit harder to, to go and get players that solve the problems that you've got over the first six months of the season. We are only scratching the surface in terms of transfer gossip at the moment and we've still got a whole month to go. So if you want to keep up to date with all the latest comings and goings in the Premier League, well, make sure you get the daily podcast, which you are listening to now. All you need to do now is click subscribe and you'll get the next one as soon as it's ready. We'll do our best to keep you up to date with all the transfer gossip, the juiciest stories in the papers. But that is it for today's podcast. Matt Marley, thank you very much, boys. Cheers, guys. Nice one, Jim. And like I say, click subscribe to this podcast and you can find more football gossip and stories and all the latest on your team at sport-social.co.uk. See you next time. Listen to the latest Premier League news, updates and match reports now. Just ask Open Sport Social. Step into the world of power, loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash 
Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.